God's people. Let's clap our hands again and give him great praise. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Personally, myself, I've been in five states preaching the gospel in the last two weeks. And uh, I want to just tell you, there is no place like home. Yes, I really believe that. I really do. And uh, we feel extremely blessed to be pastoring such a wonderful group of people in such a phenomenal, prophetically, prophetically based place. We thank God for that in Jesus' name. Well, welcome home, Brother Platania. Sister Platinia here also. Love these people very much. The greatest international evangelist uh, that I know of today, and even beyond that, multifaceted apostolic ministry. Tremendous man of God. We're going to be hearing from him in just a few moments. But there's a couple things that I want to I want to tell you. Just please remain standing with me. How many of you enjoy the pews you've been sitting on? Are they comfy? You don't like them? Maybe some of you would like solid wood. Solid wood okay? No, I don't think so. These have lumbar support. And to, to, to us that have bad backs, they're very comfortable. And I, I kind of lightened up on pushing people to get up and jump around when I recognize that some people have a bad back like I do and might just enjoy sitting there. And uh, so I appreciate that very much. Remember the pews in the previous building over on Broadway? Jesus' name. Okay. The man that sold us those pews and the man that sold us these pews, I've been witnessing to this man for about 10 years or better. He sent me a text message this morning and said, call me ASAP. I called him up. I said, John, what's going on? He said, Pastor, are you going to be around about 1 o'clock this afternoon? I said, I will. He said, would you baptize me in Jesus' name? Don't let her run by herself. You just keep watering that seed. Those children will come home. Your husband will come home. Your wife will come home. Oh, yes, they will. Someone clap. Give God the praise. I believe in a revival of backsliders like I've never believed in my life. I believe it with all my heart. In Jesus' name. He is a German Mennonite. Don't ask me to explain all that because we don't have time. We've got a great preacher. But let me just tell you that he is connected with people all over the United States. He's a pew salesman. And so I need 10 people to lift your hands real quick and we'll volunteer to be here when we baptize him this afternoon. Sister Rodriguez, can you hear this? Where's Sister Rodriguez? Okay, I need several people from the baptismal ministry here. 
um, when he gets ready. He's going to send me a text. I don't ever bring my cell phone to this pulpit, but I am today. John, are you here already? Where are you at, John? John Muller. Where's John? You thought he were? Are you seeing things again? That's okay. If he's here, we'll baptize him when this preacher's done today. Listen, I want to tell you, the biggest challenge of the ministry in the 21st century is to stay in direct alignment. And God will bring him from the north. God will pull him from the south. God will pull him from the east. God will bring him from the west. This is our day. Clap your hands and give God the Asking the ushers to come again while you remain standing. Brother Franco Platania is going to be telling us a lot more about this. I don't know of anybody at any time. I don't personally know of anybody that has ever started a home missions church in Rome, Italy. The center of Catholicism. This man has started an apostolic church in Rome, Italy. Yes. Yes, all over this house. Let's give God the praise. God's just looking for somebody that'll go. So we're going to take up a special offering for their efforts in Rome, Italy. And I want to tell you, Brother Platania is a very studious, very frugal, apostolically minded man. This is not so he can take cruises and and go out and go on a shopping spree. This is for the ministry in Rome, in Rome, in Rome. I'm giving you a little bit of time to get your checkbook out. If you need to, if you need to post-date this check till July 1st, you can do that. But we want to give them a good offering today. We don't let any missionary come by here without us taking up an offering. And this one is starting a home missions church, so... We're going we're gonna to give them a good offering today. Let's pray together. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. We're here to sacrifice. We're here to bless. We're here to give. God, pour out your blessings on this congregation. Pour it out. Open up the windows of heaven. Open up doors of opportunity. We ask it in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you as you give. Let's go in Jesus' name.
Holy Ghost Band. I want to tell you something about this band right here. We're getting, we're already in talks right now. We're working on doing a live recording right in this sanctuary, probably around November, December of this year. I was talking to a friend that's already recorded like nine or 11 albums in his church. He said, we have to hire musicians out. I want to tell you, these guys right here, Let's thank God for that. Let's thank God for that. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you so much for sacrificially giving. This will be used for the work of God around the world. Without any further delay, the one and only, Brother Franco Platania. God bless you. Cornerstone loves you. Well, let's give one, a good one, to the Lord right now. Another good hand clap of praise and thanksgiving. Oh, my God, I feel you in this place, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We've come to magnify your holy name. There is no name, no name like the name of Jesus. And every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Oh, you are the only God, the only God, the only God. God, show up and show off today. I pray in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, God bless you. You may be seated for just one moment. What a delight to be back in Spokane, Washington, and of course with this great church here in Cornerstone, and uh, with my friend and great man, Brother Mayo and Sister Mayo. My, 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 this is one of those places, and I wish I could tell you there are many places like this, but not as many, where you really have to hold back and make sure you manage your your strong feelings and emotions. Because right now, I just want to run all over the place, slap you left and right, kick everybody, just, just climb every pew, just let what I feel inside come out. But I got to be very careful. Because last time I did that, we never got to preach any time. Because the Lord takes over when the praises of his people begin to lift up his name. Hey, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel a mighty move of his spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
God, 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 God. God bless you. I, I'm sorry. I'm just going to have to be a little corner for the moment. Just sit down. We, I don't know. Places like this, I don't know if I can even finish what I'm, I'm about to preach. I don't think I will. But I, I'm going to try. And I remember one church I was actually down there in Little Rock and Pastor Holmes said, just testify. And Brother Bass was preaching a revival that, well, I testified two minutes and I just let it go. And we never get to preach. And Brother Bass was happy. He didn't get to preach that night. He was happy. Praise God. And what I felt that I feel right here is thick, it's tangible. Oh, God. Makes me want to shakatarabuyasatara. Hey, Jesus. Hallelujah. My, 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 my God. Well, I, I, I'm going to just move fast here. And I just want to say, first of all, how good it is to see my friend, Brother Mayo, and his wife. And uh, I had uh, the honor, the privilege, coming from Italy uh, not many years ago as a newcomer's here. And moving from Italy to here, I had a, the joy. I think that's one thing I thank God about making me or helping me meet some great men. And I met the Mayos who have been uh, sometimes even silently a force behind some of the uh, things that we all have the ambition to do for God. And, uh, and I don't have to tell you much about them. You know their story. These are real people. What you see here, you see them wherever they go. You know, that's one thing I like about the Mayos. Because sometimes you hang around people, they're a little, I call them schizophrenic. They're one thing on Sunday, another thing on Monday. You just never know. And, uh, but these are the real deal. What you see here, you see them in restaurants, you see them in camp meetings. The real thing, that's it. The mayor are kind of my people. You know, if you are ugly and you ask them, do I look good? They tell you you're ugly. They tell you the truth. They're not going to say, well, you need a little repair, a little restoration. No, they just tell them. They're the real, I'm just messing with y'all. They're the real, they love to tell you the truth. And that's what I like about these people. And what a great work you have done here in this part of the world. This is the best thing ever happened to the Northwest. And I mean it with everything I can mean it with. I've told all many, I've told many people that have worked or work still in this area, make sure you get connected with the males because they, uh, they have tapped into something amazing. And I tell you what it is. It's no secret. It's no magic. It's just a love for souls, period. They love souls. They love souls. And when you love souls, everything can happen. And I remember driving with him in the early days of my ministry in many ways and, and around Spokane and he, the church where they used to meet. And he showed me the buildings that he wished he could have bought and uh, the highway land and everything. And I remember the dreams and the passion that has not diminished. I want to tell you one thing. He's taking you somewhere, and it's a beautiful journey. It is a beautiful journey. And if I were in this city, and I were looking for a church, you rest assured, I wouldn't even think twice. I'm going to Cornerstone, period. I want to be with somebody who knows what is going. I want to follow with somebody who's got dreams. If I cannot fight for my own, I'm going to fight for somebody else's dreams. 
Praise God. Woo, glory to God. Well, so much I could really say about them. I love these people very, very much. Thank you for having me here, brothers. Uh, Mayo. As you know, I am an evangelist. I always travel, but we decided last year to do a work to stretch our ministry out and go back to my place of origin, Rome, Italy. So that's what I was born and raised. I was born and raised in Italy and on an island called Sicily. And uh, the Lord called me uh, when I was a young man through the work of a good missionary. And uh, and the rest is history now. Then I came to Bible school here, and God was so kind uh, to help me in what I'm doing here. Now I feel like it was time for me to go back to Italy and do a work there. And as I evangelize and try to share my ministry between these two worlds, and it takes time, labor, and, of course, resources. And, but last year we went there, and we started this apostolic church, Acts 238 Apostolic Church, as far as I know. It is uh, the second apostolic church ever started in, within the Rome's walls. So we are right there. With the, we're 10 minutes from the Vatican. And, uh, and it's, it's going great. We were able to place, I was able to place a family on location. We were able to reach some people. Uh, currently, uh, we have about five or six people coming, plus the family that is there. And it's huge for Europe. These are big numbers. And we were meeting. I tell you how powerful this gospel is. I'm telling you. I don't have the time today. But we were uh, renting a place in, uh, in everything in Rome. is pretty much owned by the Catholic Church. And we were renting a place for a while. And um, uh, in, a, in a building was a kind of hotel slash seminar uh, used for uh, meetings and so on and so forth. Well... We were there for about uh, eight months or so until the Catholic priest uh, came to find out through the fact that we were making noise that we were Pentecostals. When he came to find out that we were Pentecostals, he came to see us and told us these words. If you plan to remain in this building, you're going to have to erase every thing on a flyer on a church sign or anything else business car related to us that says church because he said we are the only church and so there was the beginning of tribulation which was turned to be a very good thing because we did exactly what he did said so we left the building and we decided not to be there and then got opened up another building. Now it's a building of its own. It's a three-car garage building. And we're very excited that in the city of Rome, of uh, 5 million people the size of Los Angeles, we can have a little bitty place that we can call our own. And we're still renting. But thank God. Thank God. It's great. It's big. It's big for, for Europe. It's, it's a big thing. Now, to just get you more excited about what you're doing here in Spokane, Washington, we had a call from a priest, a full-vested Catholic priest in, who works at the Vatican. He called us and said, I was watching one of your services online, and I realized that you do have something, and, and you do know something that I don't know. Now, he has called uh, me in uh, anonymously. Of course, if they ever find out that he's calling Pentecostals a Catholic priest, this is a Catholic priest. 
calling a Pentecostal preacher, he will be, uh, uh, he will be really, really in trouble. And so he said, I want to know more about what you do. I said, it's not all, uh, there is not all that I know. Uh, all that I know is not all that I need to know. There is more that I need to know. And I felt it. I need, I, I saw it. And he said, I want to know more about it. This is a full vested priest works at the Vatican. And we're meeting with him on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis. We have phone calls, and I'm supposed to meet him in October when I go back. And I already talked to him over the phone, of course, but I'm going to meet him one-on-one. And he is doing this very cautiously. But I tell you one thing. In a city of 5 million people, we just got there. A priest who is fully vested, because he will be excommunicated if he ever, they ever know calls us and says, well, I know you're in town and I want to know what's going on. And I have to do this very slowly, but I want to know more about this truth. Think about what God could do here in Spokane, Washington, if he can do it in Rome. If he can do it in Rome. I'm telling you, all it takes is a church who loves souls and hungry people out there will come and find you. Just preach this gospel. Preach it right. Preach it fully. Don't compromise. Preach what you know is right. Hey. Oh, God, it's too much. There's a lady. Stand with me. We're going to read the word of the Lord very quickly. There was a lady. We were passing flyers. Now, think about this. Five million people. One of the many streets in the city, anywhere, five million, think about this. And we're walking by one street in one certain district, in one certain neighborhood. And we passed the flyer to just one certain woman. And the woman grabbed the flyer and we were just kept on moving. This was one of those fast ones. And she said, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said, he said, are you Pentecostal? And, and, we, and, and we said, yes. My daughter was there. She said, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a Pentecostal. And she said, do you believe in one God? I said, yeah. Oh, what a minute. That story get back, gets better. I said, do you believe in one? That's a little what happened in the street. And she said, my daughter said, yes, it's, we believe in one God. Do you baptize in Jesus' name? And I said, yes, we baptize him. And then she said, do you believe in holiness? Now, she is no holiness lady. She's just a common, ordinary, and she said, yes, we do. And she said, for 11 years, when I moved to Rome, I've been looking for a church that believes in one God, believes in holiness, and believes in baptism, believes in the Holy Ghost. She's coming to a church. She's hungry for God. She's been coming for a year. She said, I want to know more. Tell me all I need to know to live the life that Jesus spoke and I'm telling you, if God can do it in Rome, he can do it in Spokane. He can do it anywhere, 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 because there are people that are hungry for God. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. All right, enough said. I can, I can be here another hour, but let, 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 me, let me take you to the word of the Lord. Let's go to the word of the Lord together. I want to I wanna talk to you a little bit about something today. And I know it's a story we have read many, many times. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. But don't, don't turn me down. I'm hurrying because there's so much going on. And I, 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 I want to be conscious of time. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Along with pastor, I want to I welcome all our visitors. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here in the house. This is the best place you can ever be. 
46, March 10, 46. I'm going to be very evangelistical today. And they came to Jericho and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timotheus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of death, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more. Now remember the word, the more, a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he casting away his garment rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I want to talk to you for a few moments. Let it go. Turn to your neighbor, just tell him, let it go. Let it go. Oh God, I love you. Thank you. Anoint my lips of clay and make me transparent that they may see you, feel you, and hear you pray. His awesome presence in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Good to have my wife with me. And uh, always good to have her. She's amazing. She's great. She's dedicated. She's wonderful. I can't read it, baby. What did you? Oh, she's, she's great. She's great. That's what. No, just I like to pick on her on that all the time. But she said, that's an old joke. But now everybody knows. I like to play it. Praise God. Love my wife. Praise God. <laughs> oh, it feels good in the house. Ooh, glory to God. I like to swim in this. I came to swim in this. I'm, no, I'm not into shallow waters. I'm in deep waters. Oh, God. I promise I'm really holding it back for a little bit. But I want you first to know and to all of us need to know this, that God doesn't do anything accidental uh, or accidentally or, uh, by, um, or, or without intention. God is an intentional God. And so much we can say about it because in this case, the Bible tells us, or better, uh, the, the, uh, probably the uh, um, scholars have, if you do this linearly in, in, in sequence, this is the last time that Jesus went through Jericho before he eventually faced death. So there is a um, divine orchestration for God to come through Jericho the last time, once again, and he didn't have to go through that city to go where he was going, but it was intentional because God heard the silent cry of a soul, of a man that needed God. I want you to know, don't take moments and events in your life for granted because God has an intention that may be revealed after it takes place the whole thing takes place and you may be thought you came here this morning because he wanted to be here but I want to tell you one thing God orchestrated everything for you to be here this morning because you're going to hear a word that will help you be delivered and will help you be healed and will help you be saved 
Oh, and, I, and there's some things that happened in my life when I didn't know God that I could not explain until I came to know the Lord. And then I realized that that invisible and almost tangible perception of feeling somebody sitting in the back seat of my car, driving down the road on a desperate uh, road, I, I realized now it had, uh, had be somebody from heaven watching on me. Just like it happened on uh, in the day when Mary was, was was it was Mary's life or moment was interrupted by the sound of an angel who said hail Mary uh, you've been favored of the Lord it just didn't happen by accident heaven was watching on the girl and I want to tell you one thing God is watching you and has an intention for you and the Bible says Jesus walked through Jericho and you know the story he was um, very much known for the time being for the word that he preached, for the miracles that he performed. And the crowd was uh, receiving him. There was a parade. It was, there were a lot of noises, a lot of screaming, a lot of excitement. It was a, a festivity moment. It was, it was really, really an exciting moment. And the Bible says that a man, uh, Bartimaeus, began to cry out unto him, uh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And it, it is interesting to me that uh, out of all and amongst all those words or better noises, Jesus was able to hear that voice. And I, I want to tell you one thing. I realize that God pays attention to people that are not ordinary. Pays attention to people who are not confused in the crowd. There are people that don't mind to, uh, to distinguish themselves because they're so desperate that they do desperate things to be noticed. In the Bible, we talk to, we see people that got things from God. But if you read about these people, they were what you and I would call crazy or foolish. Because they climbed trees, they kicked people, they crawled on their knees, they screamed like him. And, uh, and, but I want to tell you one thing, your performance not necessarily impress God. But what's beyond or behind that performance can really put heaven on hold. Because the Bible said, and it stood still, something. Arrested him. That's what the word will be translated in the original. It was arrested. I want to tell you one thing. There is nothing wrong about shouting and running the aisle and, and be a little distinguished in what you do and how you do it. And that is not all that God is going to be impressed with. But I tell you one thing what drives me to shout, what drives me to cry out is bigger and deeper than my performance because there is a sense of desperation inside of me that says, if I I can just get heaven's attention. I know he will talk to me for the moment. And I want to tell you sometime you got to let yourself go. And you got to act like you lost your mind. And you're going to have to act like you don't belong anywhere to anybody. And you got to quit thinking what everybody's going to think about you. Just let it go and let yourself go and do whatever you feel in the Holy Ghost to do. I want a heaven to notice me and I'm going to praise him and I'm going to 
praise him and I'm going to dance and I'm going to do whatever I need to do. I don't want to be lost in the crowd. I want to get something before you get something. And I don't want to be blessed like everybody else. I want to be favored. I want a special treatment from heaven because when I'm desperate for God, I cannot stand in line for my turn. I don't have time for that. I got a marriage that is about to break down to pieces. I got children flipping on me. I got diseases that I'm going to kill me. I cannot be cute about living for God. Come on. You cannot be all cute and dignified when it's time to let the crowd go. You just got to let it go. Because I'm telling you, while everybody was ordinary and everybody was excited, only Bartimaeus got something from God. Oh, God. So let, let's, that's not my sermon. Let's, let's, you know, I got a long introduction, a little bitty sermon. <laughs> but I like that way. That's my style. But the, the thing is, there are some things we don't want to ignore or, or, or overlook. Because they are, they, it's, it's these things that takes you to the place of the miraculous. You don't jump into the most holy place. You've got to go through some stages. And, and, and so he, he began to cry out. He didn't care who he was, who was looking, who was hearing. You know, when you're blind, honey, you don't care about anything. When you're really desperate, you don't care about nobody. Oh, yeah, you will. You will. I promise. You get to a place you don't really care what your neighbor is saying and your friends is saying on your sister, your brother, your mama. Honey, when you're driven by desperation and you are hungry for the things of God, you become so tenacious that even hell can hold you back. They got to let you go because you are so furious about the things of God that no crowd can stop you. No crowd can delay you. No crowd can hold you back. Do we have any desperate people that wants to God, wants God to pay some attention? God, I need your presence. I need your touch. I need healing. I need direction. I need God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. So the Bible says, of course, there were people bothered. They won't know as much as bothered by his blindness what they should have been more compassionate about it. They were bothered by the fact that he was praising God, crying out. Does it sound familiar? I mean, nobody cares about your difficult times. Nobody seems to care about your marriage, about your finances, about your situa- social situation, economical situation, or whatever that may be. Oh, but if you go to church. If you begin to praise God, everybody now is interested in helping you. Your neighbor tried to help. It, you know, blind Bernamans was blind. I mean, instead of showing some compassion, they told me, you need to shut down. You need to shut up. You know, and, and, and it, because apparently his cry bothered them. It's interesting. I don't have time to really expand on that. But if we could talk about a lot of things, how people are so bothered and, and, and touched by what you do. Don't let nobody run the way you want to run. Don't let nobody dictate how you want to live for God. Don't let your neighbor, your co-worker, your boss tell you how, when to go to church and do whatever you want to do. Honey, you don't own me and you don't direct me and you don't run me. I'm going to cry out until I make you so mad. (laughs) 
Don't, don't, yeah, leave it there because I'm going to need a coat. Just sit down, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. And so the Bible says that he cried the more. Of course, the crowd was, shut up, you know, don't, don't say anything. Because God, I mean, the devil really loves somebody who doesn't say anything. If we don't, if we don't talk, if we don't, if we die within you know, that's why even when you, got, when, you, when you get arrested and you're very, a bad, typical criminal, as most of you know, because you just look like you've been in jail a few years. But, but the thing is this, when, <laughs> just messing with you. But what, what they do, they put you in isolation because silence has a way to kill who you are. That's what isolation is for. So you can talk to anybody. You cannot become what you are because isolation requires silence. And I want to tell you one thing. Don't let the devil mess with your voice and with your praise. Because as long as you can say something, as long as you can make a noise of any kind, he knows that you are alive and you are well and you're still in business. Don't be silent on God. Don't be quiet on God. Let the devil know I'm still here. I may have a crackling voice. I may have a feeble voice. But I'm still here. I don't have time for this. Listen, listen. Sometimes one prayer, one praise can stop an entire army to come and conquer you. Because sometimes on, on the backstage of your life, in the invisible realm, whether you know this or not, the devil is always in business. He goes back and forth, he, to and fro, the Bible, always trying to find somebody to devour. There is orchestration already against you, against your marriage, against your children, against your economy, against yourself. And, and it's in preparation in the, on the backstage. You don't see it in the spiritual world. But if you read the word of the Lord, Israel was on, in the camp. They were just doing their own business, going, preparing themselves to the, go to the next stop. In the meantime, totally unaware that the enemy on the hills were, were preparing an attack in the field. They were ready. The commanders were in position. The chariots were ready. The swords were ready. They were, and Israel was totally unprepared and didn't know what was going on. And so they were about to attack them until the Bible says all of a sudden... There was a noise in the camp. Oh, you're missing it. There was a noise in the camp. And everything came to a stop, to a halt. And the commander that was about to invade Israel said, what's going on down there? I hear a lot of noise. Oh, I, I just learned that the ark of God just came in their midst. And they're very excited about it. And they held back the invasion. Because they knew you don't want to mess with the people who have a God in their midst. A noise, one noise, stop an entire army from invading and killing and conquering. I want to tell you, sometimes just one more prayer can put up. Can stop an invasion in your family. Just one more prayer can stop the devil to mess with you. Just one more song, just one more When you don't feel like it, just say something. When you don't feel like it, just pray one more time. I'm hurrying. Just give me a moment. Just give me a moment. Give me a moment. I know it's getting exciting here. Oh, God of mercy. My, 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 my. 
Now, the Bible says he cried the more. Now, if you read the original writings and even other versions, uh, they are commonly oft prepared or, or just available to us. They don't say he cried the more because there is a difference between continuing to cry. So if I say something and I keep saying, that's what the Bible kind of implicitly explain he cried the more just I'm going to keep on saying it I'm going to keep on crying I'm going to keep on but that's not what some version and the original say actually the bible says or some version the original says he cried the louder let me let me walk to where the smart people are sister mayo and my wife and When I saw that red car parked in the parking lot system, I said, that's Sister Mayo's car. <laughs> she is as vibrant at that red color right there. Love it. She, oh, he cried the louder. So this is what I, I came to think. I cried out because I was desperate. But I didn't know that I could have given more. I thought because I was desperate enough, I cried out, Jesus, son of David. I thought I had given it all. But I didn't know that I could have cried louder until the devil messed with me. Sometimes the devil really doesn't know what he's doing. Because if you mess with me and you tell me to shut up, you're going to pull something out of me that I didn't know I had. If you tell me don't go to church, I'm going to go more often. If you tell me don't be faithful, I'm going to be more faithful. If you tell me don't praise, you're going to help me to know that I can praise better, deeper, louder. Sometimes the devil just help us be the people that we need to be. How stupid is that? Sometimes your adversities are just teaching lessons. And it's a way for us to become better. I'm telling you, you let the crowd mess with you. And you don't know who you're going to be like. I'm telling you, you're going to give more. You're going to go more to church. More often, you're going to be faithful. Devil, don't mess with me because the more you mess with me, the more, oh, you are going to kill me at the hospital? Just let me get out of this hospital and I'm going to start a church in Rome. And when I'm done with Rome, I'm going to start another one. Your adversities are just bridges to the miraculous. Let me, let me get to my sermon. Let me get to my sermon here. And so the Bible says, he cried the more, kind of louder. I love that. And then the Bible says that his voice was, was noticed and somebody told him, the master's calling you. <laughs> oh, I don't have to. And he stood still. You know the story. We can, we can really, the word standing still is really arrested. His praise and his faith arrested him. Arrested him to the point that the only way to get unrested, he had to answer. Oh, okay, okay, I got to move. And so the Bible says that he cried aloud and he said, the master calleth thee. Now, this is what it gets interesting to me. 
sometime, number one, you're going to have to let it go. You got to let the crowd go. You cannot be left with the crowd. Now he's calling you out of the crowd because God is ready to do something miraculously for you. You cannot be in the crowd. Sometimes you got to let the crowd go. You got to let your friends go. Ah. I grew up with great friends I can call brothers. But there was a time when finally we had to, we, we had to divide. We had to just set up apart because now I'm, I'm, somebody's calling me. You cannot be in the crowd and expect God to do something for you. You cannot be emerged in the same world that you used to be part of and still expect God to do something for you. Sometimes you just got to let something go. You just got to let something behind and say, you know what? I had enough of this. I don't want to live around these things anymore. I don't want to go to the same places where God called me out of. I don't belong there anymore. I hear a call. I hear your name. I got to move out of something and I got to get into something else. So, here's what it gets interesting, and I'm cutting this short. The Bible says that he called him, and when he called, he didn't tell him anything else. He didn't ask him anything else. He just said, tell him to come. But here's something that Bartimaeus did that was unsolicited. It wasn't even asked. God didn't ask him anything else. He just said, come. But then Bartimaeus has a coat. As a mantle, a garment. And the Bible says, as he was making his way toward Jesus, he cast his garment away. And he just kept on walking. Now, God didn't ask him. Jesus didn't ask him anything. But there's something that he let go that Jesus never asked him to do. Now, you got to look back at the garment. because That was not just a coat. As you well know, coats, collars, even the texture meant a big deal in, middle, in the Middle East. It meant position. It meant who you were. It was like the ID. If he didn't have the garment, he would have been an elicited or actually would have been a, 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 a illegitimate beggar because beggars had to wear certain clothes and in certain manners for, for people to understand he was a legitimate beggar. So like royal people had to wear blue and, and, and royal blue as we know. And, and, and the prostitutes could not wear white collars because they were prohibited because of their lifestyle. So collars, texture, and the kind of a garment meant a big deal in that kind of society. So when Bartimaeus made his way to Jesus, he let the coat go that meant a long life of a lifestyle, a long time living like a beggar, a long time knowing what he was, a long time of what he had been able to do and not do. When he dropped the coat, he didn't just drop a garment. He dropped his past. He's dropped his lifestyle. He's dropped everything that he had been known for because he understood one thing. What I'm leaving behind is not going to ever be greater than what I'm going toward to. What he understood is what I am living behind is my history, but my destiny is going to be greater. What I'm living behind is my past, but my future is going to be greater than everything that I've known. What I'm living behind is not going to ever be greater than what I'm about to embrace. I've come to tell you on this
Sunday morning. Some things you just got to let go. Whatever that is that has held you back. Whatever that is that have made you a beggar. Whatever that is that puts you within the little spot where everybody knows where you've been. And what you have done. And how you look like. And how you said things. And on and on. Just let it go. Just let it go. You just got to let it go. You need to be baptized today in Jesus' name. To do that, you've got to let some things go. You're going to have to get the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. In order to do that, you've got to let some things go. Some things that have held you captive. Some things that have held you prisoner. Some things that have told everybody who you are and what you are. But not today because I'm letting my coat go. No, Jesus didn't ask me. No, Jesus didn't say anything about it. But honey, I understand one thing. What I'm about to embrace what I'm about to get is going to be better. It's going to be greater than anything I'm living behind. You just got to let it go. There are some things we just cannot keep in reserve. I met a man some time back. He's married now and he still has his ex-girlfriend phone number. In case his marriage doesn't work, it still has an opening. That is the truth. I told him, you, you, you need to take care of this, buddy. You need to drop and you got to let the thing go. You are in you. Now you're a married man. You're not a boyfriend going around and looking for girls. Whatever holds you back, whether it's a crowd, an opinion, or, or a circle of friends, whatever they may, maybe a place, maybe a habit, maybe a behavior. You're just going to have to do what Brother Mills did. I'm going to let it go. I'm not afraid to face my future because I know it's in Jesus. I'm not afraid to start a new walk with God because what I've been hasn't been any better than what Jesus can offer me. I want to tell you, if you repent of your sins and you get baptized in Jesus' name, you are ready to move on with your life with Jesus. Let the ground behind. Let things go that is holding you back. Don't let nothing hold you back. Don't let your past keep you prisoner. Come on, let it go. Because the Bible says immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. You're going to follow Jesus right away. Because you're going to have your eyes back. You're going to have your life back. Not, not 10 years from now, immediately. Stand with me. Immediately, immediately, immediately. Is there anything that is holding you back from being saved? Is anything that is holding you back from getting healed? Is anything that is holding you back? There's still, you know, this is what I would tell Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, you didn't want this. The world put it on you. Because in order to fit in, in order to belong to something, you have to lined up with their guidelines. And if I don't have the coat, I'll be out of place. But I didn't want the thing. I didn't choose to be blind. But now that I know I can see, why would I keep that coat? Why? Why would I keep talking the way I talk? I used to talk. Why would I 
keep acting the way I acted? Why would I hold myself back when I can get baptized in Jesus' name and get the Holy Ghost? Nobody's going to hold me back today. None this morning. I'm letting it go, and I'm coming to this altar. I'm going to lift up my hands. I'm going to say, God, anything that is holding me back from getting my healing, my answer, my Holy Ghost, whatever that is, God, I'm going to let it go right now. Come on, I know there's some things that are holding you. I don't know. I can't give a name to it. But you got the name. You already know it. And you're going to have to be like Bartimaeus. I'm coming out of this. I'm going out of this. I don't want to keep standing here. I don't want to keep on crying and never get anything. I'm coming to this altar. I'm going to pray, God, give me what I need. Give me my eyes back. Give me healing. Give me an answer. Musicians, come. Hallelujah. Won't you lift up your hands and begin to pray? Come on. Somebody's going to get delivered. Somebody's going to get the Holy Ghost. Somebody's going to get an answer. Somebody's going to make a decision. Say, Lord, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I don't know what holds you back. I don't know what you're wearing. I don't know what the coat is. It can be anything. It can be anything. I can go down the list, but you know it. Hallelujah. God, there is, the crowd is holding me back. My friends are holding me back. Opinions are holding me back. There's something that doesn't let me go. There's something I want to keep wearing no matter what, but I'm letting this coat go. I'm just going to let it go. That's it. I'm going to let it go. Come on. I want everybody to come. The altar is open. Come on. Let's take a moment. Friend, visitors, whoever you are, don't let nobody and nothing hold you back. Don't let pride drown you. Don't let pride, oh, don't let pride hold you back. Come on.